we um, started last week um, trying to build a, a foundation for answering a question that's been asked since we were in John 5. Um, in John chapter 5, the Pharisees, the Jews, they come to Jesus and they accuse Him of breaking the Sabbath and Jesus spends that chapter arguing uh, to the contrary. But as we've made our way through that chapter, several people have asked me, how are we supposed to think about the Sabbath day now? How are we supposed to think about the Sabbath day on this side of the cross? And so last week we spent our time um, talking about the the gift of Scripture, the fact that we have been given an authoritative word by God, and to really sum it up, Matthew 4, four, uh, we are to live off of every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Now I say that just to say we don't have to guess about it. Um, our job is to take these kinds of questions to the Scriptures, understand what God has said, try to make a distinction between assumptions, assertions, and authoritative teachings by God, and then live off those. So uh, there's still two more messages. So we have today and then next week. So um, if we're trying to figure out what do we do with the Sabbath now, um, how are we supposed to think about that? I think it's important that we go back and we understand what are we talking about when we're talking about the Sabbath. Depending on who you're talking to, there's several different understandings of the Sabbath. It's a, uh, it's just a common assertion that people make that Sunday is the New Testament's version of the Old Testament Sabbath. Okay, so that whenever, whenever Christ died and the people began to assemble and to meet on the first day of the week, that it just became the New Testament Sabbath. You've probably heard that before. Is that true? Is there a passage that says that in the New Testament? If there is, where? All these, these, these are questions that we ought to be thinking about. Uh, so what I want to do, and did not just ask a series of rhetorical questions this morning, I want to go back and, and look at this uh, Sabbath day, our understanding, build our understanding of the Sabbath day on four questions. And then whenever we're finished this morning, if there's some things that need to be clarified or some things you didn't understand, then, uh, then please feel free to ask me questions during lunch or send me an email or a text with questions for clarity. All right, so question number one, as we're trying to get a biblical understanding of the Sabbath or the Sabbath day, question number one, what is a Sabbath? What does that even mean? Well, if you were to look up the word Sabbath, it just simply means to rest or to cease from something. To cease from work, to rest from your labors. In the Old Testament, the Sabbath day was on the seventh day of the week, which is Saturday. And there was to be a strict observance, and we'll, we'll look in a minute at what all that meant, but there was to be a strict observance of rest on Saturday. And really, the strict observance was from sundown on Friday until sundown on Saturday, you were to rest. You were to observe the Sabbath, whatever that means, and we'll develop that as we go on this morning. But just at its very basic core, the Sabbath was a day of rest. And when we're thinking about the way it worked in the Old Testament, the Sabbath was a time period that started at sundown on Friday and it ended at sundown on Saturday. So when we're thinking about what was the Sabbath day, our you know just very base understanding is that. Now, now the next question is, and these will kind of build on each other and and uh, and kind of grow in our 
depth of understanding. When was the Sabbath day instituted? When was the Sabbath day instituted? In other words, when did God command that a Sabbath day be kept? When, when in Scripture do we find that people were keeping the Sabbath? Now, there's two rules of thought on this. There are some people who say, well, the Sabbath is a creation ordinance. It was something that was instituted at creation. And they go to Genesis 2, and we'll go there in a minute. And they say, this is something that, that, that God's people always did. And then there are some that say, no, the Sabbath was part of the Mosaic law. That God didn't give the Sabbath command until He delivered His people from Egypt and then He began to um, uh, put these rules and regulations into place as He formed them into a nation. So, I guess the question number one we want to look at in Genesis chapter 2, so if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. In Genesis chapter 2 is when we think about the Sabbath day, was it a creation ordinance? Is it something that God instituted at creation? Now, just in case there are some of you thinking, why are we going through this? Is this just a... You know, is this just some sort of an interesting study to try to get deep into a topic that really has no practical value? Well, the answer to that is no. What you, your understanding of the Sabbath and how that relates to where we are now has everything to do with what you do on Sunday. Everything to do with how you approach Sunday. And so this isn't just some sort of a theoretical thing where we're trying to dive into obscurities in the Old Testament. We're trying to understand what is the Sabbath? How are we supposed to uh, uh, grasp its significance and its meaning? And then what do we do with that? And so again, back to our point, is the Sabbath a creation ordinance? That is, did God institute a Sabbath from the very beginning in creation. Well, in Genesis chapter 2, starting in verse 1, after God created, it says, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God ended His work, which He had made. And He rested on the seventh day from all His work, which He had made. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because that in it He had rested from all His work which God created and made. Okay, so Genesis is a... This portion is a, is a narrative. It's telling us what happened. The author of Genesis is Moses. I think it's important for us to keep that in mind. As Moses is writing and as Moses is making comments on what's happening here, he's doing it from a long ways off. He's also doing it from a man who God gave the law to Israel through. And he's telling us that on the seventh day, God rested. He ended his labors. He blessed the seventh day. He sanctified it because in it he had rested from all His work which God created and made. So now, the question is not, did God rest? It's obvious that He rested. The question is, in Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, did God institute the Sabbath? Is there a command here that on the seventh day it is to be understood that there's a day of rest? You say, well, you know, maybe, because it does say that he sanctified it and that he blessed it. And so I guess maybe you could go either way from, from Genesis chapter 2. Well, there is something that we could ask ourselves as we read through the book of Genesis. And you could take the time to go back and do that this week if you like. Do you ever read about anybody observing the Sabbath? 
aside from God in Genesis 2, 1 through 3? Is there ever anything in Genesis about Adam resting on the seventh day? About Abraham? About Isaac? About Jacob? About Joseph observing a Sabbath day? Now, if it were a creation ordinance, you would think that that piece of information would be present. And someone says, well, you know, we can just assume. No, we don't assume. We live off of every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. He has revealed himself to us. We don't assume. Okay. So the question, again, that we're asking right now is not, is Genesis chapter 2, 1 through 3 significant in relation to the Sabbath day, it obviously is because whenever we get to Exodus and God lays down that law, He points back to Genesis chapter 2. But the question is, does Scripture teach that the Sabbath was instituted in Genesis chapter 2, 1 through 3? Or... Does Scripture teach that the Sabbath was based on God's example in Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 through 3? My understanding of Scripture is that it's based on Genesis chapter 2, 1 through 3, but it was not instituted there. I don't think you can make a scriptural argument for that. And so the second question here, which I've already answered as far as my... uh, my understanding is, is the Sabbath part of the Mosaic law? Is it part of the Mosaic law? Well, the first time that we see the the Scriptures command a Sabbath day is after God delivered Israel from Egyptian bondage. We see it in Exodus chapter 16 for the first time, if you'll turn there. Exodus chapter 16. In verse 4. It says, Then said the Lord unto Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a certain rate every day, that I may prove them whether they will walk in my law or no. And it shall come to pass that on the sixth day they shall prepare that which they bring in, and it shall be twice as much as they gather daily. Okay, so we're going to keep going here in a second, but Okay, Exodus 16, 4 and 5, the Lord says, I'm gonna, I'm gonna send manna from heaven. I'm gonna rain bread from heaven. And, and it's gonna be given in certain portions to the children of Israel. And they're gonna gather a certain amount every day. And the reason that I'm gonna regulate or the reason that they're going to gather a particular amount every day and twice as much on day six as any of the other days, is he says, I'm going to, this is verse um, four, prove them whether they will walk in my law or not. He says, this is a test. What's the test? Well, the test is whether or not they're going to walk in the law of the Lord. Now, at this point in Exodus 16, the law had not been fully given, but it's about to be. And God is setting up this structure for the week. And essentially, he's saying, as far as eating goes, whether you like it or not, this is what you're going to do. There was no option for them to go out and pick on the seventh day. God eliminated that. So if they were going to eat on the Sabbath, they were going to have to do what God required them to do. Now they could go work and there was going to later be some penalties for that. But in Exodus 16, 
He's just saying, I'm setting up the structure. Here's the design. Now, you can jump down a little bit in verse 22, Exodus 16, verse 22. You could go back and, and read the rest of the chapter later if you like to see if there's something being left out. Exodus 16, 22, it says, And it came to pass that on the sixth day they gathered twice as much bread, two omers for one man, all the rulers of the congregation came and told Moses. And he said unto them, This is that which the Lord hath said. Tomorrow is the rest of the holy Sabbath unto the Lord. Bake that which you will bake today, and seethe that you will seethe, and that which remaineth over lay up for you to be kept until the morning." And they lay it up till the morning as Moses bade, and it did not stink, neither was there any worm therein. And Moses said, Eat that today, for today is a Sabbath unto the Lord. Today you shall not find it in the field. Six days you shall gather it, but on the seventh day, which is the Sabbath, in it there shall be none. Okay, so in verse 22, the people come to him. The rulers of the congregation come to Moses, and they say, this is what's going on. The people are gathering twice as much. And he says in verse 23, that's what the Lord said. Well, when did he say it? Well, he said it back in verses 4 and 5. Whenever he's telling Moses what to tell the people. This is how you structure the week. You're going to work, that is, gather on the first six days. On the sixth day, you're going to gather twice as much. And on the seventh, you're not gonna. You're not gonna gather anything. Now you know the story well enough. You know that if on day one they gathered twice as much, by the time they got to it on day two, whatever was left over, it stank and it was full of worms. They couldn't eat it. It was ruined. It was. It was. It was. You. It was unedible. Editable. Edible. I'm getting the word wrong, but you couldn't eat it. But if they gathered twice as much on the sixth day, they could do what they needed to do to it. They could make the bread and it was there for them on day seven. Again, why in the world did God make it this way? Well, we don't have to guess. He told us to prove them to see whether or not they would walk in his law. Okay, now we go down to... Um, Verses 27 through 29, it says, And it came to pass that there went out some of the people on the seventh day for together, and they found none. And the Lord said unto Moses, How long refuse you to keep my commandments and my laws? See, for that the Lord hath given you the Sabbath, therefore he giveth you on the sixth day the bread of two days, Abide ye every man in his place. Let no man go out of his place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day. So it says here that um, there were some who didn't pay attention and they went out. They went out on the sixth day to gather bread. There was none to be found. And so the Lord gives a rebuke here. Well, one point that I want to make is that verses 27 through 29 seem like very odd verses if the Sabbath was a creation ordinance that was just assumed to be put in place all the way throughout the book of Genesis. If it was just commonplace, if it was something that they already knew, then again, really chapter 16 as a whole doesn't make a lot of sense, but particularly 27 through 29, that there would actually be people who came out of bondage who violated this thing that had been going on since the beginning of creation. Now, let's go to Exodus 20. This is where the, this is where the official law is, is given. Exodus 20. The Ten Commandments. Exodus 20, in verse, we're looking at verses 8 through 11. This is commandment number four. Exodus 20, starting in verse 8, says, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. 
Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work, thou nor thy son nor thy daughter, thy manservant nor thy maidservant nor thy cattle nor thy stranger that is within thy gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and he hallowed it or he sanctified it. So. As Moses is receiving the Ten Commandments, commandment number four is this, that the seventh day is supposed to be the Sabbath day. He's really just reiterating what he already said in Exodus 16. And he says, on that day, you are not to do any work, you or any of your servants or any of your animals, or anyone. It's a day of rest. Set it aside. Sanctify it. And the way that you're going to sanctify it, you know, by the way, the word sanctify, I think you know this already, but sanctify just means to set something apart for a specific use. Okay? So put it apart, set it aside for a particular use. What's the use here? Rest. The use is rest. Now, a lot of times the fact that the Sabbath is in the Ten Commandments has uh, led people to believe that, well, this is just a universal thing then. Okay? So the Sabbath is something that um, continues on because the Ten Commandments continue on all the way through. Well, you can do what you want to with this, but it is interesting to note that in the New Testament, nine out of the Ten Commandments are reiterated. Okay. So you think about um, honor your father and your mother. Well, Ephesians chapter 6, children obey your parents. Okay. It's just a reiteration. The one commandment that is not repeated in the New Testament is the fourth. Keep the Sabbath. Now, you may not like that. If you don't like that, don't be mad at me. Be mad at God because he's the one who left it out. Okay? So what do we do with something like that? Well, someone says, well, you know, if you got nine out of ten, that's enough to say we can, we can assume. We can assume that the Sabbath is supposed to continue on like what was laid down, laid down in the Old Testament law. Well, again, I say that violates the way that we understand Scripture and we understand anything from Scripture. Um, your assumption is not authoritative, and neither is mine, by the way. Another thing that's worth noting is that whenever we get into the, the New Testament, the nine out of ten commandments that are reiterated are reiterated... Um, in principle, they're not reiterated as far as regulations go from the law. So, for instance, honor your mother and your father, reiterated in Ephesians chapter 6 by children obey your parents. Well, the principle is there. But you know that in New Testament Christianity, you do not have the option of stoning your disobedient child. That regulation went away. That didn't carry over. Then we could go through and do that with the rest of the rest of the commands. So there were some universal principles here that God carries over. Okay, but the regulations that were tied to those do not carry over into the New Testament. And that distinction is one that's uh, that's worth making. Now, look in Exodus 31. Again, we're thinking about what's going on with the Sabbath day. Is it a creation ordinance that continues or that has continued since creation? Or is this tied to the Mosaic law? Exodus 31, starting in verse 12. 
says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak thou also unto the children of Israel, saying, Verily, my Sabbaths ye shall keep, for it is a sign between me and you throughout your generations, that ye may know that I am the Lord that doth sanctify you. You shall keep the Sabbath, therefore, for it is holy unto you. Everyone that defileth it shall surely be put to death. For whosoever doeth any work therein, that soul shall be cut off from among his people. Six days may work be done, but in the seventh it is the Sabbath of rest, holy to the Lord. Whosoever doth any work on the Sabbath day, he shall surely be put to death. Wherefore the children of Israel shall keep the Sabbath to observe the Sabbath throughout their generations for a perpetual covenant. It is a sign between me and the children of Israel forever, for in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, and on the seventh day He rested and was refreshed. And He gave unto Moses when He had made an end of communing with him upon Mount Sinai two tables of testimony, tables of stone, written with the finger of God. Okay, so we get into Exodus 31, 12 through 18. I know that's, uh, uh, there was a lot of repetition in that, in that passage, but God is simply reiterating the Sabbath is something to be kept. This is something that you keep. It's something that your children keep. It's going to be a perpetual sign of a covenant. What covenant? Well, the reason we read all the way down to verse 18 is because it becomes very clear which covenant he's talking about. This is part of And really the ending point of God giving the Ten Commandments. The Mosaic Covenant. The covenant that was bound up with the law. That is, if you observe to do all these things, then you will prosper in the land. I will bless you. I will bless your children. But if you do not observe these things, then you will receive judgment. Now, Aside from the, from the previous scriptures that we've read, one of the other things that would solidify the idea that the Sabbath was directly tied to the Mosaic Covenant is the fact that the major and the minor prophets address the breaking of the Sabbath again and again and again and again. And you might say, well, what does that have to do with anything? Well, the major and the minor prophets were uh, pretty much, as they would would communicate, they were God's lawyers. They were coming to the people condemning them because they broke the covenant law. They didn't come to the people saying, you violated what I think you should have been doing, or you violated something that maybe you didn't even know you weren't supposed to violate. The prophets come and they condemn the people because they had broken covenant with God. And you regularly see in the prophets that the Sabbath is being brought up. You broke it. You didn't keep it. You profaned it. You didn't do what you were supposed to do. For instance, look in Isaiah 56. Isaiah 56. Isaiah 56, starting in verse 1. Okay, we're going to read, um, let's see, 1 through 5. It says, Thus saith the Lord, Keep ye judgment. And do justice, for my salvation is near to come and my righteousness to be revealed. Blessed is the man that doeth this and the son of man that layeth hold on it and keepeth the Sabbath from polluting it and keepeth his hand from doing any evil. Neither let the son of the stranger that hath joined himself to the Lord speak, saying, The Lord hath utterly separated me from his people. Neither let the eunuch say, Behold, I am a dry tree. For thus saith the Lord unto the eunuchs that keep my Sabbaths and choose the things that please me and take hold of my covenant. 
Even unto them will I give in my house and within my walls a place and a name better than the sons, better than of sons and of daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. Okay, so Isaiah is coming and he's saying, keep my judgments, do justice. Then he's using the Sabbath here as an example. And he says that for the stranger and for the eunuch, that they can come and they can keep his Sabbath. And he equates the keeping of his Sabbath as the taking hold of his covenant. Okay, You see that in verse four? Thus saith the Lord unto the eunuchs that keep my Sabbaths and choose the things that please me and take hold of my covenant. It would make sense that this is the language. Isaiah is coming as a prophet to condemn Israel for breaking the covenant. He's calling them to repentance, which would be to take hold of the covenant. But again, the point that I'm laboring is that the Sabbath was a part of, and we'll see in a minute, it was even a sign of the covenant that God had made with his people. Okay, The Mosaic law or the covenant that was made through the Mosaic law. Another interesting thing here in Isaiah, if you turn back to chapter 1, turn back to chapter 1. Now again, why, why am I laboring the point? Well, sometimes we have a difficult time differentiating between the good old days and Scripture. So you've heard, I'm sure, and maybe you've said, and if you have, that's fine, you know, I, just, I remember the days when on Sundays all the shops were closed down. Nobody did anything. You couldn't, you, you, you couldn't buy anything because nobody was even open. Uh, we were a, uh, a God-fearing nation at that time. Um, if you were going to cook, you did it the night before, maybe. Okay. But those were the good old days. Those were the good old days. Why? Well, the implication there is that when everybody stopped and didn't do anything, then God was happy. Now look in Isaiah chapter 1. Isaiah chapter 1, he's beginning here to uh, bring condemnation to Israel. And here's what he says in verse... 13, bring no more vain oblations, incense as an abomination unto me, the new moons and Sabbaths, the calling of assemblies I cannot away with. It is iniquity, even the solemn meeting, your new moons and your appointed feast, my soul hateth. They are a trouble unto me. I am weary to bear them. Okay, now, God's not talking about what they're not doing here. He's talking about what they are doing. And one of the things that he lumps in there is Sabbaths. Okay? Now, when you look at the Old Testament and you look at the Mosaic Law, there were plenty of periods of rest. There were feasts and there were um, festivals, and, and sometimes those would be called or at least there would be certain days in there, and, and we'll see this in a second, that were called Sabbaths, okay? But the Sabbath day was always recognized even in the middle of a Sabbath feast. Okay, so there never was a time period where you put aside or you stopped acknowledging the Sabbath day. And what God is saying here is, don't bring me any more of these vain Sabbath observances. Okay, you remember the good old days whenever everybody would close down and you couldn't buy anything, believer and unbeliever? Well, I think Isaiah chapter 1 has to say something about whether or not God is pleased when an unbeliever shuts down shop on Sunday. If it's vain, that is, if someone's doing it not out of honor for the Lord, but any other motive, is God pleased with that? Can you think of a New Testament passage that says if it's not done in faith, it's sin? 
Okay, so when we're thinking about how does the Sabbath apply today and what is the purpose, when we're understanding, we haven't even got to that part yet, but whenever we're understanding what are we talking about when we're talking about the Sabbath, we're talking about a day that was instituted under the Mosaic Law and we're talking about a day that was we saw in Isaiah 56, 1 through 5, that keeping that day was equivalent to holding the covenant or taking hold of the covenant. And then we have here in Isaiah, God saying, your observance is not a genuine observance. It's not real. It's not, it's not for my honor. It's not out of faith. You Stop doing it. It's an abomination to me. Now think about this and how that relates to a passage like Proverbs chapter 24, verse 4. There's a principle here that I think sometimes can fly under the radar. In Proverbs 24, verse 4, God says that the plowing of the wicked is sin. The plowing of the wicked is sin. Now, why would the wicked be plowing? To feed their families. It's not a sinful thing to plow. As a matter of fact, they're trying to provide for their families, which would be something that God would say is good. But when the wicked observe a good thing, it's still a sin in God's eyes because it's not done in faith. So again, we go back to what we said earlier. If the plowing of the wicked is sin, then what do you call the observance of the Sabbath from the wicked? Is that any different? Is that somehow pleasing? You already know what my answer is. So so question number one is, what is the Sabbath? It's a day of rest. It's a day of ceasing. Question number two is the Sabbath a creation ordinance? Is it something that God began in at the, at the um, time of creation? Or is it part of the Mosaic law? I think from Scripture, from what God has revealed, that it's a part of the Mosaic law. Now number three, what was God's purpose in giving the Sabbath? What was the purpose? Why did he do it? Well, look in Leviticus chapter 23. Leviticus Starting in verse 1, it says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Leviticus 23, verse 1, The Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them, Concerning the feast of the Lord, which ye shall proclaim to be holy convocations, even these are my feasts, six days, shall work be done. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of rest, holy convocation. Ye shall do no work therein. It is the Sabbath of the Lord in all your dwellings. Okay, he gives two things here. What's going on with the Sabbath? What's the purpose? The purpose for the Sabbath here is rest, And he says a holy convocation or a holy assembly. So what they're supposed to be doing is resting and there's a holy assembly in their dwellings. And someone says, well, yeah, that's, that's, that's one of the reasons why we call Sunday the New Testament Sabbath because we believe it's a day of rest and a day of holy assemblies. Well, if you understand what's going on in Leviticus 23, the rest part is right. But the day of holy assemblies is not maybe what you think it is at face value. So in Leviticus 23, you can see from from 
verse 1, that Moses is giving the people instructions on how to observe feast in their particular seasons. Okay, so Israel, the nation of Israel, was humongous. To get all those people together in one place to assemble didn't happen very often. It was very, they were a big nation. But there were times where they would have these feasts and these festivals and they would get together. Okay, so they are assembled during these feasts and festivals, right? And as the people assembled in a special way, bringing these various offerings to the priest, it's worth noting that God says during these times of assembly on the Sabbath day, you need to stop, you need to rest, and then you need to assemble in your dwelling. What does that mean? Well, it means that they were to, on the Sabbath day, stop doing what they had been doing for the festival, and then they were to assemble in their own homes or in their dwellings. So it would be like um, you stopping what you were doing, going home and assembling with your family for family worship. Now here's the question. Does that correlate with what we're doing this morning? The answer is no. Now we are assembled here and we are assembled here to honor the Lord and to worship the Lord. But the Sabbath law is you go home and you stay at home and you get with your family and only your family. If you want to go out the other days and, 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 and worship the way it's been prescribed in the feasts and the festivals, that's fine. But on the Sabbath day, it's a day of rest. Do not leave your dwelling. Okay. This is one of the big differences whenever we think about what's going on with the Sabbath and what's going on the Lord's Day. The assembling, and it's not just out of Leviticus 23. Um, we, we, we see it, a, and we'll get to another passage here in a minute, to where you weren't supposed to leave your place, your dwelling. Now, that being said, just in case you're wondering, am I saying that in the New Testament you're not supposed to assemble, that that's not a priority? No, that's not what I'm saying because the New Testament makes it a very high priority. But it doesn't attach it to the Sabbath. We'll get on that more next week. Exodus 31. Exodus 31. We were just here, but let's let's go back. In Exodus 31, verses 16 and 17, he says, Wherefore, the children of Israel shall keep the Sabbath to observe the Sabbath throughout their generations for a perpetual covenant. It is a sign between me and the children of Israel forever. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, and on the seventh day He rested and was refreshed. What was the purpose of the Sabbath? Well, we said it was to be a time of rest. It was a time where families assembled in their dwellings. And then Exodus 31 says that one of the purposes is that it was a sign. It was a sign. A sign of what? Well, Ezekiel chapter 20, 10 through 16, takes this language and says it's a sign, and you could, you could go and read it for time's sake. I'm not going to. It is a sign to the heathen of God's covenant with His people. In other words, it sanctified God's people because they, out of everyone else, they kept the Sabbath holy. They didn't work. They didn't go out. 
They didn't do anything. And the heathen, that is just the other nations, would see that and that would be a visible sign of God's covenant being kept with God's people. Why do they do that? It's because they're serious about the covenant they've made with the Lord. So one of the purposes was a visible sign. Visible sign. By the way, if the Sabbath was a creation ordinance and God expected everybody to observe the Sabbath as a creation ordinance, unbeliever and believer alike, this sign wouldn't even make sense. It was supposed to be a mark of distinction between God's people and everybody else. So now here's the fourth question. So we've said, what? What does the Sabbath mean? Well, it's a rest. It's a ceasing from. Um, what kind of ordinance is it? It's a creation ordinance. Or I'm sorry, it's a it's a, a ordinance or a, a it's a part of the Mosaic law. Um, then, what was God's purpose? Well, rest and this sign that's given. Now, here's question number four, and perhaps this question will be the most helpful. How is the Sabbath kept? How do you keep the Sabbath? Well, we said already from Leviticus 23, verse 3, that it was a day of rest and holy convocation or holy assembly. In Exodus chapter 20, 8 through 11, it was a day when all work was to cease. You didn't work. Your servants didn't work. Your animals didn't work. And you stayed in your place. That is, you stayed in your dwelling. So the question is, what was prohibited? What could you not do? Okay. Well, Exodus 16, we read that earlier. Three things that they were supposed to do. Or, or I guess I should say three things that they couldn't do. Number one, no gathering manna. Do not go out. And gather food. Number two, no cooking. Do not cook. And number three, no leaving your place, your dwelling. Now people are kind of, uh, they vary on what this means as far as no leaving your place, no leaving your dwelling. Some say that the, the law here was you couldn't leave your house. Essentially, you couldn't leave your tent. You would rest. You were to be with your family. And you were to spend your day worshiping the Lord together. But then we also have, we see referenced in Acts chapter 1, verse 12, a, a Sabbath day journey. Okay? And you don't read anything about a Sabbath day journey as far as it being articulated in Scripture. There are some old Jewish resources that say that a Sabbath day journey was 2,000 cubits. Okay, 2,000 cubits roughly equaled 3,000 feet or just over half a mile. Okay, so what was prohibited? If you were going to keep the Sabbath, you could not travel more than half a mile. Okay, that, was, that was what you could not do. Now what that means is if we're trying to keep Sunday as the New Testament Sabbath, everybody here except Brother Scott's in violation. Okay, You've already messed up. What else couldn't you do? Well, in Exodus chapter 35, verses 2 through 3, he says you cannot kindle a fire. What does that mean? How do we think about that as far as our purposes? Well, you know, you would kindle a fire for cooking. You could also kindle a fire for heat. So what is what is he prohibiting? Well, if you're going to keep the Sabbath, you can't turn on the heat. You can't turn on the stove. You can't turn on lights. I wonder what he thinks about starting cars. I wonder what he thinks about the AC. Okay, we're talking about very basic things here. And the Lord said, do not do that. Why? 
Because this is a day that you are you have set aside as a holy day to remember, confirm and show a sign of the covenant. What was the penalty? What were the penalties for breaking the Sabbath? And I'm I'm giving references here. And if you if you want my notes, I'll send them to you. But for time's sake, I'm not turning to these places. What were the penalties for breaking the Sabbath? Well, there was only one. So that was that's good. They didn't have to wonder. But it's bad because the only penalty was death, right? If you broke the Sabbath, you died. Now, Scripture gives us an example of when this happened. Back in Numbers, chapter 13, verses 32 through 36, they found a man who was gathering sticks on the Sabbath. And what was the penalty? They stoned him to death. That was the penalty. So the question again is, how was the Sabbath kept? Well, the way that it was kept is you stayed home and you rested. And that was all the way down to all the little small things that you would do every other day. If we were to keep the Sabbath, these lights need to be turned off. Our unit needs to be turned off. Our food warmer needs to be turned off. And all the food that you made this morning needs to go back home. And then we need to find a pile of rocks and take care of you. Okay. And someone says maybe, oh, this is silly. What are you talking about? When we're talking about looking back at the Old Testament Sabbath to inform how we keep the Lord's Day, we've got to be reasonable Not if the Sabbath was part of the Mosaic law. Right, we're going to look more at this next week, but there's a point here that has to be made when you're thinking about the Sabbath. In the New Testament church, if the Sabbath has simply been moved from Saturday to Sunday, then we don't get to pick and choose which parts of the Sabbath we're going to keep and which parts we don't. So somebody might say, You know, I don't think you ought to spend money on the Sabbath, but you know, driving, that's okay. But where are you coming up with that? Someone may say, well, you know, it's okay to drive, you just shouldn't listen to the radio. But where are you coming up with that? Either you keep the law or you don't. There's no middle ground. Look in James chapter 2. I will turn here. James chapter 2, this principle here in in James chapter 2, verse 10, for whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. Galatians 3.10 would repeat that same principle. Okay, so you cannot say, I want to take Sabbath regulations and bring them over to the Lord's day. But I want to pick and choose which ones we actually apply. The heat, come on, let's be reasonable. Food, let's be reasonable. Music on the radio, you better watch yourself. TV, you're on thin ice. You laugh because you understand how silly that sounds. Particularly whenever you, whenever we're thinking about how is the Sabbath kept or how does the Sabbath apply? And so to summarize what we've gone through this morning, here's where we are and we're leading into next week. And some of you may think, oh, he's going to have a willy nilly view on the Lord's day and, and he's going to put the assembling of the saints as something that, you know, is not really that big of a deal. No, no, that's not the case. As a matter of fact, if you were to keep the Sabbath, you cannot prioritize our assembling together the way we do. 
And, and, and so often in trying to, in a good, I don't think it's out of a bad motive, but so often in trying to keep some of these Old Testament laws and make the Lord's Day quote unquote more holy, we have no idea what we're talking about biblically. It just sounds good and somebody that we love and trusted said it and, and sounds good. But brothers and sisters, were we to keep the Sabbath on Sundays, you all need to go home now and start your fast. Unless you cook something yesterday, you're going to eat today. But it better not come out of a refrigerator that's plugged into the wall because you violated the Sabbath if that's the case. So here's what we've said. Number one, the meaning of the word Sabbath is to rest or to cease. Okay, the Sabbath day was instituted as part of the Mosaic Law or the Mosaic Covenant. The purpose of the Sabbath was to be a sign that made a clear distinction between the people of God and the heathen. And the sign was the rest and the holy assembly between the families there. And then number four, the Sabbath had a very strict set of restrictions and penalties. Okay, so next week, we're going to look and see what the New Testament says about keeping the Sabbath. And again, I just want to reiterate, the question is not, should we set aside Sundays as a day that prioritizes assembling to worship and fellowship? That's not the question we're asking. The answer to that question is yes. The question is, do we set aside Sundays to prioritize and implement Old Testament Sabbath laws? That's the question. You can't take part of them. If you take one, you've got to take them all. Well, just to give you a bit of a preview of what you probably already know I'm going to say, look in Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. Here, Paul is particularly addressing the, uh, the Gentiles in the, in the uh, section that we're looking at here. We're going to start in verse 13. He talks about the Gentiles being outside of the covenant, outside of the promises, having no hope, being without God. But verse 13, But now in Christ Jesus... Ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For He is our peace, who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in His flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances. For to make in Himself of twain one new man, so making peace. I just want to stop there. What is Paul's argument for the Gentiles? And really, for everybody, since we're making of two, one, or as Jew and Gentile, we're going to come to God the same way in one body. Well, he says that our peace is through the person and work of Jesus Christ. What did he do to accomplish that peace? Verse 15, he abolished in His flesh, the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in the ordinances. What's He talking about? The Mosaic Law. What does the word abolish mean? It means He destroyed it. He obliterated it. He did away with it. And so the question is, how do New Testament Christians think about Adopting and implementing rules and regulations from a law that Christ has abolished on a day that was never really set up for that. The Sabbath day, we've said, was on a Saturday. We meet on the Lord's Day, the first day of the week, 
because that's the day that Christ rose, and the New Testament will give some argument for that. But brothers and sisters, we have something far better, far holier than some rules and regulations of, of do's and don'ts, cans and cans. We come to God through the person and work of Jesus Christ. And we come to worship Him not through rules and ordinances. We come to worship Him in spirit and in truth out of hearts that have been made alive through the Spirit of God to bring acceptable sacrifices of praise and worship as we come and assemble together to sing, to preach, to pray. Not out of the letter, but out of the Spirit. And so next week, we'll look at the positive side of this as far as what does the New Testament actually say about the Sabbath and about the Lord's Day? Let's pray. Father, we thank You. Again, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You that You have spoken we're not left to ourselves, we're not left to our preferences, uh, we're not left to our guesses about how things ought to be. You have spoken. You have sent your Son, who is from the bosom of the Father, and He has declared you in your will. And so Lord, I pray that you would open our eyes, open our hearts, Bless us to see Jesus Christ and what He has done for what it is. And I pray that we would not despise or neglect the revelation that You've given us. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.